0: Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hello and welcome to today's show. Today's show is 28 days in Amityville. That's all the longer the Lutz family lasted in their new home on Ocean Avenue. So a little bit about the Lutz family before we get started with the 28 days in Amityville. George and Kathy Lutz were newlyweds. Kathy was divorced and had three children from her previous marriage. This was the first marriage for George, and they lived in Deer Park, New York. They were looking for something bigger. George had a contracting business. He was looking to move his offices into his new home, so they wanted something big. And that's kind of where the Amityville house comes into view. Their realtor contacts them and says, they have a beautiful house for sale on Amityville. And it was a bit out of their price range at $80,000 back in 1975. But the Lutzes decided just to look at it. And the realtor's a little bit surprised, but she takes them on the tour. They fall in love with the house. It's got everything they were looking for. There's plenty of room. There are plenty of bedrooms. There's enough space for an office for George. George. There's enough space for Kathy to have a sewing room. It has appliances that come with it. Um, It's furnished for the most part. And then they do pay a little bit extra when they close on the house to keep some of the other things, some of the other furniture as well. It has a large yard. It has a garage. It has a boathouse and is right on the river. So there are a lot of things that are just very cool about this house. And George owns a speedboat. And he actually owns two different kinds of boats. So this is kind of perfect. This is kind of the perfect house for them. It is a bit out of their price range. But somehow they figure they'll manage it. By cutting down on the rental space for the boats. Where he has them docked. And also for... Moving the office into the house, they figure they can save enough money to make this mortgage. So they go ahead, they make an offer on the house, and it's theirs. They buy the house on Ocean Avenue in Amityville in December of 1975. They closed on the house, and they also move in that day. So after closing's finished, they have a rental truck and they're moving their things from their Deer Park house to their new home in Amityville on Ocean Drive. One of the things that they did do and had planned for their first day moving in was a house blessing because Kathy was a practicing Catholic and so they were going to have Father Mancuso come in in the afternoon to do a blessing of the home. Now, one of the things that maybe I should have already mentioned and let it go until now is that this house had a history. The Lutzes were quite aware of the history before they purchased the house. And this house went for $80,000, and it really could have gone for at least twice that. The house was selling relatively cheaply, even for then, Because of a horrific crime that happened in that house 13 months before. On November 13th of 1974, Butch DeFeo, age 23, killed his entire family inside that house. He killed his mother and father, two brothers, and two sisters. So... That's the backstory on the house at Ocean Avenue in Amityville. So now we're going to get into 28 days in Amityville. And day one, as I said, was moving day. The family consisted of George and Kathy. And then Kathy's three children from a previous relationship. The oldest boy, Danny. The middle child, Chris, another son. And the youngest was Missy. Now the kids were aged nine, seven, and five. The family also had a dog called Harry. So day one was basically moving in. There was a lot to do. They had a truck, a moving truck that they had rented to bring their things in. And they did have some help t- to do it. But they had, you know, it's, when you move, it's terrible. So there was a lot to do. They were bringing stuff in, trying to organize, get things put away. And that was basically the day. They brought Harry in, the dog. And they had a place for Harry out back. Now, he was an outside dog. I know more people don't do that anymore. Back in the 70s, it wasn't uncommon. It was more uncommon to have a dog that lived in the house with you. I think he was a melamute, which is like a husky. So they're used to cold weather. They're really, they're a animal. And when the weather was bad, they would bring Harry in anyway. But Harry had his own kennel out in the backyard. So Harry is outside in his kennel and every, the family is actually moving in. They're busy loading boxes, bringing them in and trying to unpack at the same time. It's chaos. And if you've ever moved, you know how tough it can be to do that. However, at some point, one of the kids, one of the boys was out back where Harry was. And Harry was in distress. He had tried to jump a fence and he actually hung himself over the fence and I think it was Danny it was either Danny or Chris he ran to George and said that Harry was in trouble and George immediately went to Harry and he was caught on a fence and was choking and George was able to save the dog he lifted him up and he was able to save him he shortened the chains so that Harry couldn't try to jump again so it was a busy day and they're all exhausted George goes to bed early. Kathy gets the kids settled and she joins them in bed. And they go to sleep because if you've ever moved, again, it's a lot of work. And it it's, takes a lot out of you. And the unfortunate thing is the uh, Lutz family doesn't get everything out of the rental truck. They're going to have to do it again tomorrow. So they conk out. And at 3.15, George is awakened by knocking at the front door. When he hears the knocking, he's thinking, "What the hell?" He looks at the clock, and it says 3:15. Who would be knocking at a door at 3:15 in the morning? This makes no sense. People don't do that. So he gets up. And then he kind of figures out the knocking's not coming from the front door. It seems like it's coming from the house itself it sounds like it's coming from the walls and then harry is barking outside george could hear him barking and he goes to the window and what's going to be the sewing room and he looks out and he can see towards the boathouse and where harry is he thinks he sees a shadow moving so he runs outside He checks on Harry. Harry's just barking. And he figures that it's the door. Somehow the boathouse door is moving in the wind. And the question is, since it was locked, how did this boathouse door become unlocked? How's it blowing in the wind? So he doesn't think a whole lot more about it than that. And he closes it up, locks it up, and he goes back to bed. So day two, day two is a Friday and Kathy and George get up in the morning and the day is filled with unpacking. George calls off from work because there's so much to do. He has to return, he has to finish unpacking the truck and he has to return the truck, pay a fee because they kept the truck longer than they were supposed to. And there's just a lot to do. George finds he's cold. He can't figure out why. The register's saying 75 degrees in the house. But he's cold. So he starts a fire in the fireplace. And he keeps that fire going. And he's kind of moody. Everybody in the house seems to be on edge. The kid's behavior especially is bothering him. They're misbehaving. They're, f- they're fighting and picking at each other. And they're not in school because they're not going to go back to school and start at their new school until the end of the Christmas holiday. So they're off from December 18th until they go back after the new year. George is usually very patient with the kids. But for whatever reason... It, they're just getting on his nerves this day, and he's yelling at them a lot. And unlike his normal appearance, where George is clean-shaven and freshly showered, he doesn't shower or shave that day. And that's very odd for him. That's not at all like his personality. And George still can't get warm. All the moving around, unpacking, all the work that they're doing in the house, and he's still cold. So he starts feeding the fireplace with log after log, and he has that fire roaring. Kathy and the kids go to bed about 11 o'clock that night after a hard day of work. Finally, he crawls into bed with Kathy, and he dozes, and he does fall asleep. But It is very late. Unfortunately, he's wide awake again at 3.15 in the morning. This is the second day in a row. He's awoken by knocking in the house at 3.15. Day four is the beginning of their first weekend in their new house. And of course, they're still unpacking. They spent the time on Saturday unpacking. And by this point, the kids are just out of control. Both Kathy and George are finding it hard To deal with these kids. They're just being obnoxious. They're fighting. They're picking at each other. It's how kids get when they're cooped up. And it's just really getting on their nerves. They have so much to do. And the kids are just annoying the hell out of them. And it's not getting any better. There's just a lot of like tension and fighting within the family. They're like irritated at each other. Kathy's irritated that George again hasn't bothered to shower or shave. He's not himself. He's moody. He's cranky. And she's trying to keep the kids out of his hair because he's so cranky. And she's getting irritated at him and he's just irritated at everybody. And the kids are wild. They're normally pretty well-behaved kids, but just they seem to be all riled up. By Sunday, they're still doing the same thing. So the whole weekend's basically spent unpacking and trying to get this house in some semblance of order. At one point, the kids who are still out of control are just still taking it to another level. They were sent upstairs to play in their playroom because the house was big enough. They actually had a playroom for the kids, their own room. And the kids went up there and they broke a window in the toy room. At this point, the beating commenced. Both Kathy and George whipped all three kids using a belt and a wooden spoon. And Monday, December 22nd, is day five in Amityville. They begin the morning like they normally do. Only... George, who was expected in the office on Monday, decides he wasn't going in again. He called out. He felt that he still had much to do. He was already up and in the living room and feeding logs into the fire when Kathy was having a cup of coffee in the kitchen. One of the kids came downstairs and said, Mom, Mom, we need you. And Kathy didn't know what was going on, but okay, she went to see what was up with the kids. And they went upstairs to the second floor. And in the kids' bathroom, the toilet was black inside. It was black from the rim the entire way into the toilet bowl. And the kids were terrified. They'd just gotten a beating the night before for misbehaving. And they all three were saying, it wasn't me. We didn't do it. This is how we found it. And they were afraid of getting beat again, of course. Kathy asked them if they had dumped paint or anything else into the toilet. And they said no. And she was upset because she had just cleaned these toilets yesterday on Sunday. She sent Chris into her bedroom. They had a master bath inside their bedroom. And she sent the son into the bathroom to retrieve a bucket, a scrub brush, some cleaner. And he went away to go get it. But before he came back, he yelled for her, Mom, Mom, I didn't do it, I swear. So she walks into her bedroom, and she can smell this sweetly sickening smell of a weird kind of perfume that is definitely not hers. So that's odd enough. But she gets closer into the bathroom, and her toilet is also black. From the rim, the entire way into the bowl. And her toilet smells. It smells like a filthy outhouse. It's nasty. The smell is overwhelming. So she walks out and she checks all the bathrooms. And what she finds is that all the toilets in the house are black. None of the other toilets have the smell that's associated with the overwhelming stench in the master bath. But all the toilets are black, and she had just scrubbed them. Also, while they are wandering around the house, they were actually opening windows to try to get rid of the smell that was in the house that pervaded. They opened all the windows on the second floor. And when they went into the sewing room and went to open the windows... There were hundreds of black flies on the window facing the boathouse. It was winter in New York. It's December 22nd. Not only are the flies out of season, but it was cold. It was impossible for them to be there. It was a cold window. There was nowhere for them to hide or to um, stay warm inside a wall. So... Who knows where they came from, they certainly didn't. They killed hundreds of black flies that day. They had to keep the windows open for a while to get rid of the stench. It took a few hours, but eventually it did fade. Kathy scrubbed the toilets again. They were stained, however. She used several different kinds of cleaners, including bleach, Lysol, and another disinfectant and she scrubbed and scrubbed them but she, despite the multiple scrubbings of these toilets with the multiple cleaners the toilets remained stained. That was kind of the highlight for that day of the weirdness, the black toilets and the black flies and the stench. At 3.15 which would technically be now into day six. The front door is wide open. They're all woken up in the house at 3.15 by a large bang, and the front door is found wide open. It's twisted and bent on its hinges, and it's so bad that there's no way for George to fix this door. He actually has to contact a professional to come in and repair the door. The very strangest thing about this door is that it seems that it was blown out from inside. They have no explanation. So, day six is December 23rd. The Lutzes have to call in a professional to repair the front door. There's no way that George, who is a handyman, can possibly fix this door. It's that damaged. The professional comes in. He looks around. He takes a long look at it. He does the necessary repairs. He's been to the property before, and he told George that the former owners had him come in a few times because they had trouble with the boathouse door. George doesn't mention anything, but he's thinking, hmm, that's odd because I'm having some issues with it myself. But he doesn't say anything. That's all that the professional has to say. He goes ahead and he fixes the door. And then he's on his way. Kathy knows she has to do some shopping. It's 2 days before Christmas and she has just a couple things for the kids. She also needs groceries. They have like hardly anything in the house. But she just can't bring herself to leave the house for some reason. She doesn't really understand what's going on, but she just doesn't she just doesn't want to leave. She just she just doesn't want to go out and have to deal with shopping or do any of that. She knows she has to, but she just can't force herself to do it. So she lets it go and instead she is working on the house. And the kids are just being obnoxious. And she finds that she's losing her temper with them more and more. And this generally isn't like her. She generally has patience with her kids, but not today. While she's working around, she's putting things away and she opens up a closet Now, previously in this closet, she had put inside it a crucifix. This crucifix she had received previously, she and George had received as a wedding present. It was silver. It was expensive. It was beautifully made and crafted. And it was also blessed. So she opens up the closet and goes to hang something in there. She finds she can smell some kind of odor coming out of this closet. And worse yet, when she looks at her crucifix, it's hanging upside down. Father Mancuso, in the meantime, finds himself very ill. He hasn't felt really himself since he blessed the house. And on December 23rd, one of the busiest seasons of the entire year for a priest, He finds himself with a 104 degree temperature, very ill, and all he can do is think about the Lutz family. He has a bad feeling. All right, folks. So I think this is going to be a really good place to end today's show because we have a lot more information to get through. This is going to have to be um, a series because there's so much information. So with that, we're going to end it. You'll have to come back next week to hear more about 28 Days in Amityville. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and come back for more. all for today's podcast I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show if you did please tell a friend give us a rating and hit subscribe if you have a story you would like to share on petrifaction you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com and remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories Please return next time to hear more stories. And friends, be prepared to be petrified.